Hello and welcome to the ETOF 21 Sports Podcast. My name is Eric. I'm the man behind ETOF 21 Sports. Everything sports related, you can find me on Twitter at ETOF 21 Sports. For Instagram, if you're interested in becoming part of the sports betting team, plus 70 units for the month of April, plus 50, high 50 some, 59 I think, for MLB so far this year. If you're on Instagram looking to become part of the team at ETOF 21 Sports underscore for daily hot takes, my five things from yesterday, NFL draft winner and losers. I'm going to start a winner's Wednesday for fantasy football, a lot more fantasy football hot takes. You can go to ETOF 21 Sports underscore fantasy on Instagram and Kentucky Derby Day today, loaded day of horse racing at ETOF 21 Sports underscore horse underscore racing for everything. Horse racing, free picks, basically Thursday through Sunday, we'll be there. How's everyone doing today? Great day of sports, like I said. We have UFC, we have MLB, NFL Draft, NHL, NBA, Kentucky Derby, NASCAR. Just a great fucking day. Great day, great show today. Brandon's going to come on, it as he always does, and we're going to talk a little NASCAR, give our bets and everything on that, and Silver Star Sports a.k.a. Sterling, is going to come on, and we are going to give our thoughts on the first two days of the NFL draft. So like I said, loaded day, great show. I want to thank my boy Gino. He had me come on. We did a mock NFL draft. For those of you that listen, hopefully you cashed the certain going to the Broncos at plus 750 to 1. That was a nice little hit. And also JJ from Sportstown Podcast reached out to me. You know, I had a great talk with him about the first round of the NFL draft. Make sure you guys are following him. Just want to thank those guys for letting me come on and, you know, do my twisted talk of sports and just ramble. So I want to talk about the sports betting industry in whole. It seems like I'm doing a a lot of these talks. And again, I'm just trying to help you guys and educate you guys. What you guys need to realize is with how the industry is now, these sports books are using platforms where they have guys or girls that have a huge reach and then they're trying to use that huge reach to deposit to get sports new sports bettors to deposit money into their books and lose that's it that's what's going on i don't know if you guys saw this i posted on instagram i posted on twitter coach coach from fucking wwe has a sports betting show, and they had guys on, and his direct quote was like, oh, it doesn't care about the odds. The other guy was like, is this a parlay? What's going on? So they obviously have no idea what is going on. I did some research, and Coach has his own betting service called Coach Bets. Are you fucking kidding me? Coach Bets is a tout service. So I started looking at He's touting hitting a four-team parlay that played plus 137. You guys know how I feel about parlays. If your parlay pays less than minus 110 value with how many legs there are to it, and you play it, you're a fucking moron. And you guys can argue me with this, but I've been doing this for a long time, and I'm pretty good at it. You guys can look at BetStamp. Everything is validated on BetStamp with the odds I actually locked in. And my record speaks for itself. Now... This guy is touting four picks that place plus 137? Are you fucking serious? That is an awful bet. Touting the 5-2 to two winner 
in the Oaks, he played the fucking chop, dude. Like, yeah, it won. Great. But you guys just got to understand the situation. And I'm sorry. If you're playing for coach bets, that's not probably not the best play. I looked at it, and I could not stop laughing. And then you go on his Twitter handle. Anyone that claims to win every day, which old coachy is doing, doesn't win any day. I messaged him and I said, hey, I'd like to know your monthly and ROI year-to-date stuff. I've done that twice. I have yet to get a response. So that right there tells me that they're full of shit and that you guys hopefully understand they're full of shit. And this, sadly, is the way the industry is going. Get people with reach, tie them to a sports book, try to get new bettors to deposit money. I have sports books coming at me all the time wanting to partner up and direct you guys to them. And I always say no, just because I'm not going to be that guy. Now, if it was a situation where you guys were like, hey, which sports books do you like? You guys just heard my phone ring. Someone asked me, which place am I placing my derby bets today? That, hey, you know what? I, I, I'll direct you guys. You guys need a sports book. I have people hit me up on Twitter and Instagram all the time. Hey, what sports book do you use? I have no problem answering that. But I'm never going to tie myself to a fucking sports book. Because what you guys also need to understand is, let's say hypothetically you go to Coach and you're using Coach Bets. And then through his link, you sign up to DraftKings. Coach has a deal with DraftKings, because I get this stuff offered to me all the time, where it is as much as your initial deposit, he gets a nugget to it. He gets a nugget of your initial deposit. So he don't give a flying shit because he looks at it like he's got people paying money for bad picks and he's getting money from people depositing into DraftKings. So, again, we just got to understand the situation and everything. So that's my sports betting industry rant. Let's jump into the show. So now I want to welcome Brandon from Off the Post Boston Sports back to the show. Brando, how you doing today? Doing good. How about yourself? You know, I got no complaints, man. No complaints at all. So, I mean, with 10 to go, someone was looking like a genius with his uh, Eric Jones pick, man. What was going through your mind at that point of the race? I don't know because I was in front of the TV. I was yelling. I was jumping up and down because I was like, if we were able to grab another 44 to 1, especially at Talladega, I was like, Eric Jones has got to get this done, and unfortunately, he ran into some trouble, and Talladega bit him pretty hard, and we didn't capitalize, but it was good to see a 188-lap race, and for us to still be in the high money chances with less than 10 to go, I won't argue with it. I mean, I was just happy that the race wasn't delayed. I mean, that was that was kind of my success. Unfortunately, you know, my bets didn't didn't hit and I lost money, but so is the gambling life. But there was an interesting thing that happened during the race. You know, I messaged you and unfortunately, as soon as I messaged you that Hamlin got up to 10 to 1, he got in a wreck. And that's the joys of live betting. Like you see value in a number, you put it in, and unfortunately a bad break happened and he wrecked. And that's what's going to happen now with this live betting feature of NASCAR is you get live bet opportunities because we were just talking Larson's at plus 550 and you made the comment that this is a Larson type of track can you expand on that so Larson's very good at running the high line at all tracks and just riding the wall and getting both 
right front, right side fenders right up against it, and that's where that speed's going to come from on these long runs. You'll see them start either low to middle with fresh tires, but then that high line's going to be where you need to be, and that's where Larson will be. And the downfall about that high line, if you get a little bit too high and you scrub the wall, you're going to have damage, and there goes your race. Um, so it is a Larson-style race. I do have him as as a winner or possible winner. I don't like his 5-1 to one because we talk about it every week with the ROI. Um, but it's something I would definitely keep an eye on with the live betting factor for sure. So, I mean, I know... The lowest I'll, pro- I'll ever lay in a NASCAR race is 9-1. to one. So, I mean, I'd be looking at Larson 9-1. to one. H- How about you? Yes, it, it would have to be. Again, the ROI at 5-1 to one in a NASCAR race is uh, not where we want it to be. Now, before we go into our, our picks for the race, you and I have been very vocal, especially you, about... Bubba Wallace's future in the 23 car. Now, we've started the rumors about Cendric going there next year. You know, we'll we'll wait on those. But there's been some interesting comments made by both Hamlin and Jordan. Why don't you touch on those? Yeah, so Jordan, so Bubba was actually asked um, what Michael thought of his performance so far, and he said he hadn't really talked to him, but he still cut the checks. And then not long after that, Jordan comes out and says, we don't cut checks to losers. Well, not sure what Bubba did during the race because uh, Hamlin didn't actually talk about it. But Hamlin expressed frustration towards um, Bubba about not being a teammate. and needs to learn how to be a better teammate on the track at a place like Talladega. So you have the full owner. You have the co-owner. You have a guy on the track, a guy off the track throwing you under the bus to the media like not even behind closed doors it's almost as if they're not even speaking to Bubba but he's on his way out um it's funny because I text you during the race when uh Bubba was leading for a little bit and I was like well maybe what you touched on last week by saying hey you put your money where your mouth is and you you're being threatened for a job and you step up and you make a performance but once again, towards the end of the race, he couldn't, he couldn't finish. He couldn't compete. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see, like, how it transpires this week. Um, hypothetically, let's say Hamlin's going for the win. Bubba's a lap down. You know, what does he do? You know what I mean? Like, Bubba, he's going to have to just get out the way. I mean, I don't care what your frustration is because now you need to start looking good towards other people. Because if you go into uh, if you go into the off season with a bad reputation or treating a teammate slash owner in, in the wrong way, what other team is going to want to pick that up? And I don't know if you saw, and I need you guys to go to it. Bubba's pulling this cocky, arrogant mentality. Like they went to do uh, the grid walk before the race, where they put the microphone up to drivers and they say something like, Hey, how are you excited for today? So on and so forth. They put the mic up to Bubba and he pushed the mic away and just kind of walked away to himself. And it's like, I don't know who you're trying to be or why you're trying to act like this, but your job's already on the line. Why would you not be trying to set yourself up as a, as a, a good, enjoyable person to be around off the track to get some stock in your name for next season? 
Yeah, you got to be a year ahead of everybody. You have to kind of see the writing on the wall if you're Bubba. And he is a markable guy, but if you're being a dick when you're trying, you know what I mean? If you're being a dick to the media, that doesn't help you. Because something to remember, and this is something I found out, is the more the media likes somebody, the more they'll be painted in a good light. The more they Correct. don't like you, the more you're painted like a freaking asshole. So, I mean, Bubba's not in a position to be acting like a douchebag at no, all. No, if you're winning races and, like, want to be cocky and arrogant like Kyle Busch has done for years, go right ahead. But when you're not performing on the track, come on, Bubba. Like, I, I, I just, it's mind-boggling to me. I just don't, he's a professional. You think he knows what he needs to do, and he just, he cannot get out of his own way. It goes back to the thing. Some people get it. Some people don't get it, and it's looking like Bubba doesn't get it. But enough about Bubba. Let's uh, let's jump into the race. I got four guys I like. Um, the first guy I like is your boy Chase. Uh, I locked him in at nine to one. He's got one win here at Kansas. Three top fives, four top tens, six top twenties. Average finish of six point one seven. And at this intermediate type track, he's got two career wins. Um, how are you feeling about your boy Chase? I, he's got to dig himself out of a hole. Like, he's sitting in a playoff spot now. Um, I do like him at these style tracks, to your point. He has one here. He has one at these style tracks. Um, every one of his teammates has, has won. I don't think there's any pressure behind him since he is coming off of a championship last season. But at the same time, I know he's not going to accept losing well, and Mr. Hendrick's not going to either. So I do like him. I like the odds to, to what we've talked about before, 9-1. to one almost double-digit numbers, so I would definitely put him as one of my favorites this week. Um, he just, he's got to get out of the hole, and I'm hoping that it's this week and not later because me and you talked about it before the podcast. 16 drivers get into the playoffs. If you win, you're in, and you've got a lot of big names since there's nine guys already locked in. You've got Harvick, Kyle, um, Denny, Chase, all those guys – they're in the playoffs points-wise, but if you start to have some nobodies win races like we've seen this season, you could be outside looking in before the season even hits halfway. And that's not a position you want to be in. Um, another guy who struggled this year, um, honestly, we can say this year has been a disappointment. We've talked about him before because I've been on him the last couple weeks. I locked in Harvick at 9-1. to one. He's got one win here at Kansas, three top fives, four top tens, six top 20s. And in this type of intermediate track, he's got eight wins. Average finish at Kansas, 6.8. Average finish at intermediate, 8.24. I've liked what I've seen him the last couple races. He's gotten better. I think he's just had some bad luck the last couple races. What do you think of uh, Harvick? I hate to sound like a broken record, but I put him in the same category with Chase. Um, he's a winning driver. He can win. Any given week, he can win. And the luck just has not been there for him. Um, to your point, he does seem like he has been getting better. Um, he's making progress. I see him moving in the right direction. So he is another guy that I would absolutely side with you on. On You said 9-1, to one, right? 9-1, to one, correct. Yeah, absolutely, a 9-1. to one. And you can grab Kyle. Kyle's another one you can grab at double digits again this week, right? Yeah, Kyle's the third guy I like. I like Kyle. Uh, I locked him in at 12-1. to one. <laughs> He has not won at this Kansas track, but he has five wins at this intermediate type track overall. Um, so, and he's, 
I feel he's trending in the right direction too. And when when I was growing up, my dad and my mom, they told me winners win. They don't make excuses. I view Kevin and Kyle as both winners, and I think it's only a matter of time before they figure it out. Agreed. And again, he's not a guy that accepts losing by any means. Um, I could be wrong, and somebody can fact check me on this if they want to, but I believe Kansas is the last track that Kyle has not won on. And if that's the case, you know he's going to want to check that off of his list. Yeah, because he's a competitive son of a bitch, dude. And if he has a he, yes. if he has a chance to check something off, that mother effer is going to check something off, dude. So I definitely like him. Um, and my long shot this week happens to be the guy who was your long shot last week who was leading laps. Eric Jones, average finish here at Kansas of uh, 7.67, five top no, excuse me, three top fives, five top tens, you know, 100 to one. I'm just throwing a quarter unit on him. He he raced good last week, you know, but then again, he got he got no wreck. I like what I've been seeing from Jones, and, you know, at those odds, throw, throw a quarter unit on it and see what happens. Um, I don't mind that pick at all for a long shot because he can carry some momentum from last week, even though he got wrecked. He still had a good overall performance, which that's really what you want to look at. When guys get caught up in accidents that they have nothing to do with or control over, you want to step back and just see how they perform throughout the race. And to your point, he did do well. Um, we almost had another one there. But uh, I'm going with Matty D at 55-1 uh, to 1 right now. Um, I feel he's due for a break. Um, he's been doing a lot of talking this week because people have asked how disappointed or how much he's putting on his weighing on his shoulders on how rough the season has started. And he almost won last week at Daytona, made a bad move for a block. and or, I'm sorry, Talladega. And when you make a block like that, it's either you have two choices, make, make a left or make a right. And he made the wrong choice. And I think he's going to definitely come out with some fire knowing that he made a mistake that could have locked him in the playoffs last week. So uh, that's my long shot at 55. Okay. All right. Um, in terms of is there anyone – with the shorter odds that that, he, that you are liking this week? Uh, we really hit on most of them. If I'm looking at the current the current odds right now, and, you know, I go through Bovada, um, there's really not because you got Alex Bell at, at 25 to 1. He's been really quiet ever since he won the race. Uh, Kurt Busch, your boy, is 35 to 1. Uh, he's not bad at Kansas, but uh, other than that, I mean, Blaney's eight to one. He seems due for something, but I, I don't want to sprinkle my money all over like we did at Talladega because these style tracks, you, you know who's good and you know who's not. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't really see anybody else besides the three that we hit on and uh, both of our long shots. What about? Have you looked at any head-to-heads? Um, I have looked at some head-to-heads, but I haven't locked any in yet. Let me run through the DraftKings ones. You tell me who you like here. Uh, Hamlin Larson. Larson. Harvick Logano. Harvick. Byron Bowman. Oh, I thought I was going to keep rattling them. Um, I'm going to have to go Byron. Uh, Maddie D. and Almarello. Speaking of Almarello, I mean, 
some people just have a year where they get constantly shit on. And it just seems like that's him this year. Yeah. Uh, he, he can't catch a break at all. I mean, um, this guy's luck has just been freaking insane to me how bad it's been. Almost borderline, like, you don't you don't want to find humor in someone struggling, but I'm finding humor in how much this guy is struggling. Oh, and I feel bad for him. He's a great guy, off the track. He's probably one of the most personable people that I've ever had a conversation with as a driver. Um, he's also another guy that if stuff doesn't start going well for him, he's going to be in that Bubba Wallace-style conversation. I don't know what's left with his contract, but I'm sorry, but the way NASCAR works, since yes, it is a team sport because you do have crew members, but if you're not truly performing on the track, your job's in jeopardy. Yeah, I mean, you're, if you're not winning or consistently. If you're not bringing in a huge fan base because you're not winning, your job's at jeopardy. It's not like a quarterback where a wide receiver drops the ball for a game-winning touchdown or you throw five touchdowns and the defense lets six touchdowns in. It comes down to what you do behind the wheel, period. Yep. And he's been, I mean, I like him a lot, but it's just, it's just been bad luck, man. Just bad, bad luck for this kid. Um, Next one, we have Jones and Busher. Jones. Cluster Bubba. Cluster. Kozlowski Elliott. Elliot. Truex Blaney. Truex. Stenhouse Newman. Oh, let's go with Ricky. Um, guys, so, so you guys know we don't we don't pre-talk about these. These are just rattled off. So make sure when you get done with this, you uh you send me these because I am not writing them down, but I got a good feeling about them. And then um, the last one that DraftKings have has is Austin Dillon and Tyler Reddick. Let's roll with Tyler. Okay. Now, just looking, like, Blaney average finish at 20.67. I mean, he has yet to finish the top 10 here. Busher average finish at 21.17. I mean... Those are guys I'm kind of looking to fade. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be so quick to fade Blaney based off of his history here because he is performing well, and he's also another guy that's due. Um, and he's got the equipment behind him. Busher, you fade him all day. No opportunity tomorrow at all. You guys, if your finger hovers over his name to where you're going to put money on it, you might as well send it to charity because it, it's not going to happen or you can send it to me and i'll gladly go <laughs> i'll i will gladly go get some wild turkey at the local bar and i'll enjoy the shit out of it well i did say a charity so <laughs> they do send it to you i think they're, they're doing the right thing to the eric drink foundation that's a good charity um <laughs> so basically busher and bubba are the two fades and all head-to-heads that's yeah I, I think we can co-sign on that so um, big I big I race coming up uh, next week. Why don't you tell everyone about that? Yeah, Darlington. Uh, we actually ran a test session uh, 
Thursday night for a couple hours, and we also ran a test session last night for a couple hours. We've uh, we've got a lot of speed going on, and uh, we've got a lot of mm-hmm. we uh, got a lot of speed. And uh, Darlington is a Darlington stripe. You just got to stay off the wall. So I think my personal my personal goal in this race is just keeping the truck clean for as long as possible because you're going to have guys run that high line, and the second you get up into the wall and get any type of damage, you're done. So uh, we're sitting 144th in points right now, top 70 with four races to go, get in. Um, we're there, but we're not. So I, I have to have a very, very successful week, and when I say that, a top 10 would be great, a top 5 get us very close into where we need to be with three to go but uh if you guys want to check it out i'd love to have you guys on here taking a peek if you uh download the app twitch or download uh, or go to twitch.tv uh slash boston boy 83 give me a follow subscribe uh it's a lot of fun uh even when we're not doing league races we're on there trying to build i rating and just just learn so darlington the lady in black Next week, Thursday at 9 o'clock. Guys, I will be there. Make sure you guys are there, too. Brando, thanks for coming on. Also, real quick, um, you got to be kind of happy. I mean, you got your quarterback of the future. Defensive line got better. As a Patriots fan, you know, just real quick, you know, what uh, – are you, are you happy with the draft so far, or how are you feeling? I'm very happy. Bill finally did what he never does. He finally – drafted somebody that we will need um bill's always been famous to trade down gather more draft picks go get somebody from a d3 school in a random city in illinois and uh he pulled the trigger on mac jones we did not have to trade anything for that pick which i think is a win so even if this guy is not successful doesn't become the future the fact that you didn't have to give up any of your assets, current or future, it, it was big. So very happy. I think with all the pieces and money Bill spent in the off season, we've got weapons. All of our defensive guys are coming back. Besides Chung on defense, to your point, defensive line just got stronger, um, and we still got that. Uh, still see us making a trade and getting rid of Gilmore. Yeah, that's and, that's the. That that's what's what's the in the room the what whatever in the room is based on the on the sentence. Are they going to trade him? It, that's been the rumor going around. It seems like forever. I think the only way you trade him because you got J C Jackson. I think the only way you trade him is if Atlanta is willing to move Julio Jones. Okay. And there's been slight rumors again, but I'm not trying to jump on the rumor bandwagon due to the fact that. The Julio Jones in New England has been talked about in every offseason for the last, gosh, three, two, three years. But if you are going to move him and you can get rid of Gilmore and you can bring in somebody like Julio Jones to add to Nelson Aguilar, Bourne, Jacoby Myers. I mean, hell, trade Nikhil Harry, please. I don't want to see him step on the football field again. He is one of the biggest first-round busts, especially at receiver, that New England's ever dealt with. So I'm super stoked, man, and I love it. There's probably a lot of people on here that hate New England, but the fact that we are back in the conversation of being hated on all over again, I love it. I've enjoyed it for 20 years. I thought I was going to have to sit back for three or four, but uh, 
I think the back on uh, people booing New England is going to start uh, in a couple months. I mean, it just goes back. Winners win. And, I mean, you can make the argument that Belichick is the biggest winner ever. Yeah. So, Brando, thanks for coming on. You know, locked and loaded for the uh, for the race. We'll cash some winners, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, my man. Real quick, did you see the Celtics come back last night? I know we've touched on Celtics before, but did you see the 39-point deficit erased by 60 points from Tatum? I did, but I also know it's yes. against, I also know it's against the Spurs. So oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> no, right. but I mean, I guess like my my thing is, I think the Celtics this year is just the lost clause. You got smart like fighting officials in the locker room. Kemba not playing back to backs. Fourier can't hit a shot since he's been traded there. I mean, I think Tatum was impressive what he did last night. All kidding aside, but I mean, I do you see them beating the Nets? Sixers or Bucks in a series? I see them beating the Sixers in a series only because I still think the Sixers, for whatever reason, cannot get out of their own way when it comes to the playoffs, period. Um, don't know what horseshoe or non-horseshoe is stuck up their butt, but that team is so good in the regular season. Playoffs hit, they're, they're, they're MIA, they're gone. I mean, you're looking at it right. I'm looking at the standings right now. They are six. Basically, they, they are tied with, with Atlanta. If the playoffs were to start today, they would face the the Bucks. which, I mean, that's that's a tough matchup for them. You probably ra- would rather see them get in the fifth seed and have the Knicks first round. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Knicks have just come out of nowhere, and if you would have told me before the season started that the Celtics and Knicks would be almost tied in their record, I, I would have laughed at you, but... Or how about are doing some nice Nick things? Or the I mean, it just shows you how good Thibodeau actually is, and how much the Timberwolves messed up by letting him go. They should have never let yeah. him go. They should have kept no. him. So, but Brando, thanks for coming on. Uh, good luck this week. Good luck in your eye racing, guys. Make sure you make sure you check it out. Brandon and I will both have the links on our Instagram. And we'll talk to you next week, my man. Sounds good, everybody. Have good luck tomorrow. See you next week. Thank you to Brandon from Off the Post Boston Sports coming on. Guys, A, Brandon puts in a lot of work, very knowledgeable. If you guys aren't following him, please make sure you do it Off the Post Boston Sports. If you have any questions about our NASCAR picks, please don't hesitate. Reach out, DM Brando or myself. Gladly, we'll help you out. Or if you guys have questions about who to bet, Please reach out, and we are here to help you guys cash some tickets. It's that time of the year, the NFL draft, and it wouldn't be an NFL draft recap unless Sterling from Silver Star Sports came on and him and I talked some NFL football. Sterling, how's it going, my man? Pretty good. I'm excited that draft season is finally here. I've been waiting in anticipation for this one for a long time, so I'm excited. It was great, and it was great to see fans there, and I mean, Jesus. like it. I liked last year's with no fans, but I liked this year with like the energy from the crowd that I've watched so far. Yeah, I remember two years ago when it was in Nashville, the buzz around the city here was insane, so I'm uh, ready to get back to that in future drafts. And then we saw Mr. Biggs, a.k.a. 
Don Isley out there giving the Dolphins pick last night. I was like, shit, dude. I was like having flashbacks to the old R. Kelly days from back in the day, man. Um, so, obviously, the big news is this whole Aaron Rodgers, I don't want to play here. I want to get traded. I want, I'm going to retire if you don't do the stuff I want to do. What's your two cents about this whole Rodgers thing? I was shocked that it broke uh, right before draft night. Uh, I kind of looked at it as Rodgers saying, get your act together, Kudakuns, or like, I'm out the door. Um, and then I don't think they really delivered. Uh, day one of the draft, they picked Eric Stokes. Um, I don't even think he was the best corner on Georgia's team last year. I think his teammate Tyson Campbell was better. Um, so I just think they're ch- they don't really care about Rodgers and their value this opinion which I don't think that's a dangerous game to be played with your Pro Bowl quarterback. One guy tweeted out um, as a one last troll job to Rodgers, the Packers are going to pick a defensive guy in the first round. Mm -hmm. And my two cents is this, is A, the timing makes zero sense. If Rodgers really wants to get out of there, with how his contract's structured, this isn't a trade you can just wake up and just be like, hey, do this with, like the money and everything, like you need time. And the one thing that you and I have both learned is the draft pick itself has more value associated to it than the actual player that's assigned to that draft pick, if that makes sense to everyone listening. So for this to come out like right before, just, I don't know, just was really like badly timed and honestly, a trade could not be made. And if I'm the Packers, I mean, what I do is I force the hand. I say, look, dude, you know, you want to leave? Like, you want to, you're going to retire? Retire, man. Yeah, he doesn't have a whole lot of leverage in this situation. He's got absolutely no leverage. And I mean, it's, it's going to be an interesting thing in Green Bay. I mean, they, what, what did, what do they want in LaFleur's two years? Like 12, 12 games both times? Mm-hmm. And now you're going to be losing your franchise quarterback. So it's an interesting offseason, needless to say. Um, well, let's jump right into it. You know, one of the things I like to do, and I know you like to do it too, is we have our day one winners, day one losers, day two losers, day two winners. So day one winners let's start off with a positive because i'm trying to be more of a positive person on this show <laughs> look at you um who are who are your day one winners so i've got a couple um i'll talk about one individually at first rashad bateman and the multiple ravens so if you would have told me that the ravens wouldn't have to trade up to get rashad bateman who is my number two wide receiver on my board i would be just shocked uh, and for them to get him a true, be that true wide receiver one for Lamar, get open quick, uh, that's just a steal at their first pick. And then I'm not a big Jason Owe guy, or Odafe as he wants to be pronounced now. Uh, I'm not a big guy, fan of his, but he's got a lot of development or a lot of upside as a pass rusher. So to pick him with the second pick of their first round, it's a good day one for them. And the, the Ravens are kind of just always that team, especially during the Ozzie Newsome days, you know, just always seem to get it right. You know what I mean? And, like, you hit on the head. For them not to have to trade up to get that wide receiver 
get that chain mover, that that's considered a success. Yeah. One, One thing I love about the Ravens front office is they don't overthink it. Um, we know drafting is a science, but at the end of the day, they're just like, all right, this player is good. He fits. We're not going to try to get too cute. They just always pick the right player. Now, one of the teams I like the first round, and I don't mean to sound like a homer here, is my Detroit Lions. Okay, I, I think as a winner too. So I think they knocked it out of the park. I mean, I had Sewell drafted as rated as my top guy in the draft. He, you can put him in there. He'll be protecting the quarterbacks, blindside for. 10-plus years in Detroit, and this move right here makes the line better, and it shows me that Holmes understands, hey, we build from the inside out, and that's what we're going to do in Detroit. I I love this move. I was really worried they are going to take an undersized wide receiver, and for them to take Sewell, I have a little more faith in this front office compared to front offices before. Home run for the Lions in my eyes. Yeah. I could tell the Lions front office as soon as Jalen Waddle was picked for the Dolphins to pick before them, they were probably ecstatic. You know, um, they definitely want to build a tough culture in Detroit, uh, built on the line play, and with Penix Sewell, who was looked at as like a generational prospect for much of this uh, time. Yeah, to get him, absolute skill. So. Now, who's another one of your winners? Another one of my winners is the Minnesota Vikings. They traded back in the first round. Uh, they desperately needed a tackle. So they traded back in the first round. And I was kind of worried that they wouldn't get that tackle anymore. But they traded back, accumulated more picks, and still able to get Christian Derrishaw. So. And I love Derrishaw. I think he's going to have a phenomenal year, phenomenal career, excuse me. I don't think he allowed a sack last season. And that's insane yeah. in the yeah, ACC. You know, that's, that's insane. And their line play needed to improve they obviously want to ground and pound with uh cook so i think that's a i think that's a great pick too um another one of my winners and it pains me to say this because even though i live here in chicago i'm not a chicago bears fan the chicago bears um for sure they traded up they got justin fields fields was number two on my big board behind lawrence and I, i i've come to this conclusion and you can call me crazy i respect your opinion but give me your honest opinion when they were coming out of college, it was, excuse me, high school. Fields was one. Lawrence was two. Fields went to Georgia, and then he had to transfer to Ohio State. I truthfully feel, the more and more I watch Fields, is that if he would have went to Ohio State from the get-go, been the starter at Ohio State from day one, he would be the number one quarterback in the class and not Lawrence. Really? I mean, I just, I love his deep ball. I love his athleticism. And I know there are some worries about his vision and, and everything, but I think that is correctable. The one negative about where he went is Nagy, now don't get me wrong, Trubisky had holes in his game. But if you really are a good coach, you're going to be able to get through a, to a player and get, you know what I mean, like teach him something. I really don't think Nagy is a good developmental coach. And for him to truly be successful in Chicago, I think they need a better coach there. But I, I think it was a great pick for them. And it was a pick that screamed by them trading up, hey, we realized we messed up by not taking Watson because no one knew Mahomes was going to be this good. And we're trying to correct it right now. 
Yeah, as I was watching the draft, I turned to someone and I was like, this is them writing their wrong from a couple of years ago. Um, and then I definitely respected Ryan Pace a lot more after the draft night for him being aggressive. Maybe because his job is on the line this year, but still. For him to get my quarterback two in the 12th pick and be aggressive and say, hey, we've got a good roster right now. Let's go get our quarterback. Uh, Bears definitely won the draft. And then just going off... Uh, what we've mentioned so far, the NFC North got a lot stronger, except for the Packers. So that division's uh, going to be interesting to watch next year. And piggybacking what you said, Bears hired a new president. President is evaluating Pace and Nagy. And then after this year, he's going to make the decision. He gets one year to evaluate him. So that's why we're seeing the Bears being, especially Pace, right now because Nagy's not, there's no games being more aggressive like they were trying to get Russell Wilson, trying to hit a home run to save their job. And who knows, this could have been the home run that saved Pace's job. Um, so who's who's in the, I have two more winners who uh, from day one. How about you? Uh, that was all of our winners. Uh, Ravens, Vikings, Lions, Bears. Okay. I really like what the Chargers did because with the Bengals, and I'll get to them later, selecting uh, Chase that allowed Slater to slowly fall down the board. And Slater is a versatile offensive lineman that can play both tackles and can play guard. And you need to sure up that line to protect Justin Herbert, and it seems that they hit a home run with Herbert. Now, I don't know if Herbert is as good as everyone thinks he is. He had a good year last year, but you have to protect that asset. And I think them able to get Slater, who we can both agree is number two, offensive lineman, um, I think that's a great pick, and they didn't have to trade up to get him. Yeah, they definitely had a good day one, too. So. And the last team is the New England Patriots. They needed a quarterback just because Cam isn't the long-term solution that we can we can both agree on that. Um, and they didn't have to trade any of their draft capital to get Mac Jones. Now, granted, I know you and I aren't high on Mac Jones, but... They got a position of need and didn't have to move, so that that's why I like I like this for the Patriots. Okay, that's definitely fair. They're one of my day two winners. Just a preview, so I'll talk about them later. Oh, they're one of my day two winners too. Now, let's go to what I like to talk about: losers. Now, I have four losers. How many losers you have? Yep, I got four. All right. So, number one, who's your number one loser from day one? The Raiders. The Raiders. It just seems like they're one of those teams that don't understand draft value and draft capital. Every year, it seems like they take a second, third-round prospect in the first round. And I like Alice Leatherwood. He's fine. He's a decent uh, offense tackle. Could be a guard, too, in this league. But at what pick they were picking? 17? That's just way too early. Like, if you want your guy, trade back at least. Get some assets, you know. Um, these Gruden grinders can only get you so far as a team. Now, my post that I made on Instagram was death taxes and the Raiders reaching on the draft picks. They did it last year with Henry Ruggs and who Arnett, the DB from Ohio State. And I really think Leatherwood still would have been on the board at 48. Like, yeah. Like them, the teams valued him that highly. Yeah, so them tra- them taking them at that pick like makes zero sense. They were one of my draft day losers too, and 
it was funny because they posted out all you draft experts that are giving our draft. The Raiders Twitter did this. And I'm thinking to myself, wasn't Mayak a draft expert for NFL? You know what I mean? So it's like your draft expert drafted an offensive lineman you could have got in the second, maybe even the third round. So I don't know. The more the Raiders do stuff, the more I'm like, what the hell are you doing? They're just one of the front offices that I just question, like, all the time. And, uh, yeah. So, for you. who do you think uh, has more say in the picks, group or Mayock? You know what? I want to say Gruden does. Okay. I yeah, want, that's kind of what I'm thinking, too. I want to say Gruden does. Like, the more I think about it, I think Gruden does. Um, Now... One of my, this is my biggest loser, is the Cincinnati Bengals. I've been high on this team. I really love Joe Burrow and everything. But you have a franchise quarterback sacked 32 times, hit 72 times in a nine-game stretch, which is a a record for a rookie. Hit 72 times is a record for a rookie. And coming off a season-ending injury, you could have got a franchise tackle to protect his blind side, move Jonah Williams over to the right, and you draft Jamar Chase. Like, to me, that is an awful pick, and it's going to be a pick that's going to haunt this franchise for years to come. I, if I were the Bengals, I definitely would have taken Sewell. Uh, we got to protect Burrow. But I didn't hate it as much because of the depth of the tackle class. Um, you get the Liam Eichenbergs, the Sam Cosmes, Jalen Mayfields in the second round. So I disagree with their decision. But at the same time, I can understand it because Burrow and Chase's connection was magical that one year. So. But here's here's my thing about Chase. Now, my two cents is this. is I'm not high in this wide receiver class. I think this wide receiver class compared to last year's wide receiver class isn't anywhere near it. And Chase, to me, is this guy that is just so much more physically gifted than those college kids that he played against. And he's beating them because of that. The more film I watch, he takes routes off when the ball's not coming to him. And you have to be a student of the game to succeed at the next level. And I just don't think he's a student of the game. I think he's going to be... Who was that kid from Ohio State that did really well and then just kind of fizzled out? I'm spacing on his name. Um, Oh, my God. He set all these records. And then he didn't even really do anything in the NFL. And unfortunately, that's how I view Jamar Chase. I don't think he's going to be that good. Really? He was my number one player, like, overall. Oh, really? Yeah. I, the more and more film I watched about him, the more I just stopped. I mean, he's my number one wide receiver, but I just don't I just don't see it with him. And then plus, he's barely six feet tall. Like, I was reading his measurables. I thought he was, like, 6'1", 6'2". He's, like, six foot on the dot. I my old ass is taller than him. And I, like it's like the more I just watched film of him, the more I just started to dislike him. And I just think this pick, especially if Burrow, could you imagine if Burrow gets hurt again next year? Yeah, that'd be uh Oh, my God, dude. Like, that would be devastating. And I'd hate to see it, but you look at how many times he's got hit. In my eyes, he's on the transcend. He's on the path to be Carson Wentz 2.0 where you're afraid to get hit. Um, and so who's another one of your, uh, your losers from day one? 
James Robinson, the Jaguars running back. So the Jaguars front office learned last year like how little running back matters in the NFL. They drafted an undraft or well, they got an undrafted free agent. He comes in, rushes for over a thousand yards, very productive. And then all of a sudden, uh, Urban Meyer's first like real pick because Trevor Lawrence is a formality. So Urban Meyer's first real pick is a running back who like is going to split time with Robinson or be like the third down back. I just didn't understand it. Um, for the Jacks' point of view, from James Robinson's point of view, from anyone's point of view, I might like Travis Etienne a lot, but I didn't understand. <laughs> to piggyback, and I agree with a hundred percent what you're saying. That leads me to another one of my day one losers, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers. To me, just agreeing with what you're saying, the running back position doesn't, you know what I mean? It's not that transcendent position that everyone makes it out to be. And you have an aging quarterback who can't move. Your offensive line was garbage last year, and you draft the running back. You know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? Like, what what are you doing? You're not giving your team the best chance to succeed. And the guy that was their offensive, is their offensive coordinator, excuse me, this year, was the same OC when McFarland, the running back on the roster now, had, like, those great seasons at Maryland. So already you have a connection. Why not just build the line and use him? But instead you take freaking... Nigel Harris, who may be a great pro, we don't know. He's got a lot of miles on his legs from Alabama, but you gotta you you gotta protect your Big Ben, and that's not doing it by drafting Harris. Um, who's your other who's your other loser? You had two more. Other uh, loser, we got a touch on them already, but the Packers. I said they lost day one before he began, and then just Eric Stokes. I don't know. He's one of those guys. He's got elite physical tools. But when you're a track star, it's like kind of hard for you to slow down, if that makes sense. Yeah. Which you really need that agility and that fluidity in the hips as a great to be a great corner in the NFL, which I just don't know if he has. Um, I don't know if he'll even start over Kevin King immediately. Kevin King's not a good corner. Yeah. So. Um, one of mine, and you know what? It's... It's like they're on it every year, the last two years. The Miami Dolphins. Um, I, I have a strict... Oh, first of all, let me start over. I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to get as many weapons around Tua to succeed just because Tua's god-awful. And they're trying to give him assets. I just am of the belief you can't draft a wide receiver in the first round, let alone the top ten, let alone the top five. Unless we're talking with like a Julio Jones type player, someone that's physical, a wide receiver one. Jalen Waddle's not that. The more Waddle's another guy. The more I watch of Jalen Waddle, the more I don't like him. And plus, he's a body catcher. I hate body catchers. I get it; he can do special teams, and he's fast. But to draft someone that high that's not a number one wide receiver is a huge, huge L for me. And then you draft Phillips with your second pick, and I know they need a they need a pass rusher. I get it, but he has had so many injuries, and the kid from Michigan, Painey, is still on the board. I would have drafted him. I don't want to draft a kid with an injury history 
You know what I mean? Like, to me, that, like, I just don't like, I didn't like either one of those two picks at all. Mm, to that counterpoint, I, Jalen Phillips was my number one pass rusher. And I feel like if you have a second first round pick, you can afford to take that uh, big swing, which Jalen Phillips is. I feel like Quiddy Pay, his uh, physical profile and just his overall game was kind of capped out um, mm-hmm. to be a good player, but not great. Whereas with Jalen Phillips, yeah, he definitely has those injury concerns. I could see him being a great player, a great pass rusher in the NFL. And he, but and, I, and he really, he could. And I mean, but I guess like my passion for like wide receivers and drafting at the right time and everything, like even if Phillip, the Phillips pick wasn't there, they're mainly there for the Waddle pick. Yeah, I the Waddle pick was Sewell on the board. And then considering how Tua plays, I just don't think – Jalen Waddle is going to be a good wide receiver that fits him because Jalen Waddle, a deep threat, field stretcher. Uh, I think they would have been better off with like a Devonta Smith, you know, who gets open quick for Tua, who's only going to show throw like those shallow passes. Yeah, but I mean, like you kind of knew they weren't going to do Smith after Smith came out yeah, and said I knew they like weren't, but. Smith came out and basically said, which I've been saying forever, Tua sucks. But you know, um, so though. I hit on all my losers from day one. How about, do you have any more losers? Yeah, I got one more. Um, I like the player, but Zayvon Collins at 16, I wasn't a fan of. I think this team needs to get tougher um, on the interior. I think they also could have used a quarter. Um, I don't know. Just Zayvon Collins just seemed a little rich, a little early for me. Yeah, I like the player, but I agree with your point. Like, I, I had him going in the second round. Mid-first round is a little bit of, like, eh. You know what I mean? Like, what are you yeah, doing? Yeah, just outside the top 15. Yeah, I don't know about that. That, one. that just seems a little bit like you hit on the head too much. Now, let's shift off to lovely day two. Um, we're going to start with winners or losers. You know what? Like I said, I'm trying to be more positive. So let's start off with some winners. Obviously, the biggest winner was me seeing Mr. Biggs and reliving reliving the good old days. But uh, let's jump into it. I I actually have a lot of winners. Like I, Yeah, I, I had way more than I thought I would when so, I was looking back at it. So who's your first winner? The Bears. The Bears and Ryan Pace. Like, they just had a... Great draft to me. So they got the QB2 for both of us. And they got my offensive tackle three, Tevin Jenkins, uh, who was a top 15 player in this class for me. Um, I didn't know how much medical concern teams had about him, which is why he kind of fell. But my gosh, what a great first two picks for the Bears to get a future starting tackle for like the next 10 years and your quarterback of the future. That's how you do it. I mean, you hit on the head, man. They did. They knocked it out of the freaking park, man. With with what they, with what they did, and they would have been my sixth team. I actually have five teams that I really, really like what they did. Um, the first one is the Cleveland Browns. Now, I still feel like if they would have gotten the kid from um, Alabama, Balamore. Oh my God. I think they would win the Super Bowl because I really feel like what they're missing is that interior defensive lineman to go along with Miles Garrett and uh, Clowney on the outside, that interior guy that can stop the run but also pressure the quarterback. But when you draft JOK, who's the second-best linebacker in the class, and 
and I had a first-round grade on him, when you're able to get him in the second round, that pick is making this defense just so much better. And that's another step in the direction that this team is taking to complete to to be able to compete with with the uh, with the Chiefs because that game showed us in the playoffs they need to shore up that defense to be able to compete. And then I Schwartz, who's the fastest guy in the draft and a playmaker in the NFL right now, is all about space and speed, and that's basically what Schwartz is. And Skafonsky should be smart enough to be able to gimmick some like five to seven plays where you put him in space. He, you know what I mean? Like I really think with what they had. They did great, and as much as it pains me to say this, because I fucking hate Baker Mayfield, I may have to put a Browns future in. Oh, I am an owner of Cleveland Browns future. Well, future owner of Cleveland Browns futures. I was looking at their Super Bowl ads last night. Um, I was surprised how far JLK fell. Um, you've seen smaller linebackers like Devin White recently have success in the NFL, and then even if he, you don't use him as a traditional linebacker. Um, the Derwin James, the Jamal Adamses of the world, he could play that role. So to get him at 52 or whatever it was, yeah, that was a good draft. Huge, huge. And Cleveland's building something. Never would have I'd say that, but Cleveland is building something. Uh, who's another one of your winners? Another one of my winners, uh, we both said we had them as day two winners, Patriots. So Christian Barmore was a top 10 to 15 talent on my board. Like a true, true first-rounder I got pushed down because of um, just how uh, his position doesn't matter too much to teams. But he's a true first-rounder. For him to go to the Patriots at 38, what a steal for Bill Belichick. And then they also got Ronnie Perkins in the third round, who had a second to third-round grade on him. Um, very solid, very versatile. Uh, edge rusher so they just had a very good draft i mean those two picks make the defense already better plus they're yeah. getting all those guys back that opted out last year yeah that defense is going to be serious next year i mean that that that's back to the defense that it was two years ago i mean i love what they did those two perkins great technique you know able to get to the pat able to get to the quarterback and balamore is gonna eat up the interior dude i, I that they're definitely one of my winners. Um, now, another one of my winners, and I don't mean to sound like a fucking homer here, the Detroit Lions. Everyone who listens, who reads my stuff, knows build from the in out. And they were able to go get two space eaters in the interior of the defense, which has been a weakness. And then they went and got a cornerback with size and athleticism, this Lions defense was a nightmare last year. An absolute nightmare. And they just added three pieces that were going to help it get better. And along with that, Holmes has been a huge Jared Goff guy. Now, the fact that in the first three rounds, they did not draft a wide receiver when there were options on the board shows me that Holmes and that front office know that Goff isn't the long-term answer, which was I, I was afraid they thought they did. Mm-hmm. And that they're going to be moving on from Goff. So that right there is another reason why it's a win for the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I definitely like them doubling up on uh, the tackle, the defensive tackles. Um, and then I'm watching the draft now. They just drafted their wide receiver finally. Who did they draft? Amon Ross St. Brown from USC. 
okay. Right. But I mean, like, is he really better than Perryman? You know what I mean? Like, I think that's fine for a fourth-round pick. But yeah, like you said, they had a very good day, too. Yeah, I mean, and I I like... I, I I love Matt Stafford. I have an autographed jersey hanging right now in my office. But I think this is the first time I felt in a while that they're moving in the right direction. That's good. Uh, moving on to my next one. I got the Chiefs. They drafted Nick Bolton and Creed Humphrey. So Creed Humphrey, if you follow me at all, I'm a big Creed Humphrey guy. I think I really, really expected him to go in the first round. Like, I put money on that, but I, I didn't make no money back on that. But regardless, Chiefs got a starter for a long time to come. He's very versatile. He can play center. He can play guard. Um, this is reliable. Um, he's a badass. So, And then Nick Bolton, I wasn't a big fan of him when I saw him being mocked in first rounds. For him to go in, like, the middle portion of the second round, I'm perfectly fine with that athletic linebacker. Flies to the ball, makes plays. Yeah. But, I mean, the thing with the Chiefs is when everyone was healthy toward the end of the year, they still were, like, a bottom, like, third offensive line to me. Then their two tackles got hurt, and let's face it, that's what cost them the Super Bowl. They weren't able to, to protect Patrick Mahomes. Now, as of right now, if I when I'm working on my offensive line rankings, which I'll start next, next week, they're going to be a top-five offensive line right now. You know, I mean, their added protection and yeah, yeah, and like it's just one of those things where they they just made their team better, and I they were one of my winners too. And then in terms of Bolton, I mean, you kind of hit it on the head. They didn't take him in the first round; they took him later, and you got a guy that's a playmaker that, and they need a playmaker linebacker, I think that's a great pick for them. I mean, I really think the Chiefs, with the two second-round picks, you could argue are, you know you know what I mean? They're, they're doing great, Could are winning the draft right now. Even, even if you take out Bolton, by adding Humphrey, they won the draft because you're giving Mahomes more time. You know what I mean? Like, just one player is changing it for them. For sure. Um, now, another one of my winners, and you know, I've been very critical of this team, but I think with the positions they were in, I think they did really well. The Tennessee Titans. Um, yes. They, they drafted the offensive lineman from North Dakota State, and just their line, they lost Conklin, they drafted Wilson, who was a nightmare. Their offensive line sucked last year. You know, Henry had a huge, huge year. But by drafting this kid, A, you're going to give Tannehill more time because you're going to, he's going to have more time because he's going to, actually going to be able to block. But also, if it's possible, you make Derek Henry better because now the offensive line is going to be getting more of a push. You know, so like that's just a home run, a home run pick for me. Then they drafted a speed linebacker who's going to be all over the field in Rice. And then in the third... They got the kid from Washington, Moden, who can play cornerback or safety, and their back four was awful last year on defense. They had three big needs going into this draft, everything addressed in the second day. Yeah. The Titans definitely were one of my winners. Uh, 
I'm a big Monty Rice believer. Yeah. He reminds me of, like, Eric Kendrick's light because he's a very instinctual in coverage, like, very good at reading zones and knowing where wide receivers are going to sit down to be open um, and breaking them up. The secondary room was ultra, ultra thin, so Elijah Bolden was a very good pick. And then Redunes. Um, if he gives you literally anything as an upgrade from Isaiah Wilson last year, um, and that line is going to be Hell, a if lot he makes it, if he makes it through the season, it's an upgrade <laughs> over Isaiah Wilson. You know, like, yes. it's, it, they just did a great job. I mean, props, props to the Titans. Um, it changed. I think that is it for my, my five winners. Do you have any more? Got a couple more. Um, I like what the Bills did. They took Carlos Boston. I like them doubling up on edge rusher because, um, that D-line just needed a lot of help. And then Gregory Rousseau is like that home run hitter. You're swinging for the fences with him. But in the second round, they took uh, Carlos Bosham, who's much more higher floor, lower ceiling. So I like those two different things. Yeah, because like, when you're a team like the Bills or the Chiefs, you have to start constructing your team with the idea, hey, if I want to get to the Super Bowl, i got to go through KC. How can I go through KC? i got to be able to get to the quarterback. So, I mean, I think you're right. I think I like what the Bills did. The Bills did a lot. Now, let's go to losers. I only I only have three losers here for the for day two. How about you? I got four. Okay. You got you got one more than me, so why don't you start out? Alright. First one, the Houston Texans. Uh, they draft Davis Mills, who was my quarterback eleven. Um, I didn't really understand the hype that everyone saw with him. He was very pedestrian at Stanford, didn't make a whole lot of NFL throws. Their offense was rather basic. Uh, so for them to draft him, I wasn't a fan of. And then Nico Collins in this like pretty deep wide receiver class, he was like, what, wide receiver 16, 17 for me? Like, just a, yeah, I don't know. I was not a fan of what the Texans were doing. I think Nico could be good at the NFL level just because he's big. You know what I mean? He is by far... He's the tallest wide receiver. I think he could be big in the right decision. But you hit on the head. I'm not the quarterback pick from Stanford. I I just never was into that guy at all. I mean, you're hearing Lewis Reddick talk about it on the draft on the draft uh, day one or day two. I mean, it was like, Jesus Christ, dude, calm down, man. Maybe, maybe, now, maybe now I know why you didn't get any of these jobs you interviewed for because you're hyping up a prospect that isn't that much of a prospect. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. I don't know. Like, I agree with you. The hype, to me, just really isn't there either. Um, my first day two losers is, and I hate to sound like a broken record, and I think it's just because I can't get over what they did in the first round, the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, they drafted Jackson Carmen, who I felt would have been available in the third, maybe even the fourth round. And that's the offensive lineman you got. And let's face it, if he's going to be anything successful in the NFL, I think he's going to be a guard. I don't I don't think he can be a tackle. And the difference between Sewell and him is light years away. And I, I just, like, that is going to, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like you had a chance, it's like, think of it like this, dude. You had a chance to date J-Lo, and now you're dating just, like, some overweight five-foot girl. You know what I mean? It's like, like I, but that's the only analogy I can really 
like, get it like that, if that makes sense. Like, it, I don't know. It's just, it, it was a bad pick in my eyes. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Um, I definitely see Carmen as more of a guard at the next level. And then I thought there were better tackle prospects available. Oh, 100%. 100%. Way better, way better options on the table. And that's who you get. And like I said, if Burrow gets hurt, heaven forbid, I mean, Jesus Christ, talking about organizational moves that are just going to haunt a franchise forever. Um, My next loser is uh, the Los Angeles Rams. They took 2-2 Atwell, wide receiver from Louisville, and then Ernest Jones. And I feel like the Rams, they have a pretty well-rounded roster, but wide receiver isn't a need, you know, especially when you have McVay calling plays. Uh, 2-2 Atwell, he's what, 5-7? He's very gimmicky player. Like, I don't think the Rams needed a gimmicky player at that point position and then Ernest Jones wasn't even in my top 10 linebackers so I think the Rams missed on those two picks I think I agree I mean I'll be honest like I had him as a loser but after I saw McVay has like a wall with just a picture of Goodell I couldn't do it I mean come on dude he's got a wall in his house and there's just a picture of Goodell to me I could I I couldn't do it just because of that alone but like I they drafted Van Jefferson last year. It was supposed to be the replacement for Cup because Cup was in a contract year. Then they, they re-signed Cup. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you got Cup, Van Jefferson, um, Robert Woods, uh, 2-2. You have all these tight ends, Higby, Ever, and they drafted somebody else last year. I'm spacing on his name. Cam Akers, Mac Brown. There's only one freaking football. And your offensive line is aging. I, You're right. I think they would have gone a lot better draft, like looking at offensive line or going in a, in a different position there. And the linebacker they got, I just think they overreached for. I think they could have got him later. Um, Another one of my losers, and again, I don't mean to sound like a broken record, but once I get an idea in my head, it's in my head, and I stick with it. The Pittsburgh Steelers. What the fuck are you doing? Like, again, I'm going to repeat myself word for word. Aging quarterback, bad offensive line. And there was plenty of offensive tackles on the board at this time where you could have gotten one. And you drafted a tight end. You know, like, they have Juju. They have Claypool. They have um, Deontay Johnson. You have enough still players. You drafted Nigel Harris. You have McFarlane. You have Benny Snell. Skill players aren't the fucking issue. The issue is your offensive line sucks. Now, I know they got the kid from Illinois, but I'm not really high on that kid from Illinois. There's plenty of options at this pick for you to do something. You have a championship-level defense, and you're basically just flushing it down the toilet because you're not addressing the offensive line. I think this is a terrible pick. I said it on Friday in my post about draft winners or losers. I doubled up on my Pittsburgh Steelers win total under. I quadrupled it up. After the pick of the tight end from Penn State. This offensive... Steelers are going to have a bottom five offensive line in the league and not be able to protect Big Ben. That's what's going to happen next year. I can see it. I actually like the kid from Penn State a lot. And I also like the kid from Illinois. But I didn't think the kid from Penn State was a necessity. So, like, the offensive line was a pressing issue. I saw this stat the other day that they were, I think, 31st in run blocking. So... Going back to their first round pick, Najee Harris, he's not going to be able to succeed if he has 31st 
blocking in the NFL, so. Yeah, if he's not getting time, you know what I mean? Like, I think these Steeler fans sees from Alabama, sees a big dude, and like, oh, this is the new Derrick Henry. What? Like, Henry had that successful year because they had Conklin. They went out and signed the guy from the Rams, Schofield. You know what I mean? They did everything they could to get an offensive line to get that push to allow Henry to be Henry to have that epic season. If you don't have that offensive line, I don't I don't care if fucking Jim Brown's back there. You ain't doing shit. Um, who's another one of your uh, losers? I have the Colts. Um, the Colts had some pretty glaring needs that they needed to be addressed. And then they took, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name, they took a defensive end out of uh, Vanderbilt, who... It wasn't even close to my top 10 edge rushers. Um, and I just feel like they could have done a lot better with that pick. Like, I was ready to invest in World Futures in them. But then they just take a guy with minimal upside and some decent physical tools, you know. But way too early, too. Oh, yeah, way too early. That's another one of those picks. You're like, guys, you could have got this guy a lot later. Like, what the fuck are you doing? I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I just don't know. You know what I mean? Like, some especially of these... when you took Quiddy Pay earlier too. Like, that's a pretty reliable option. Like, draft a tackle, yeah. draft yeah. some offensive line help, draft a, a weapon. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Like, I really think for the Colts, their priority one is to make sure that Wentz doesn't take any hits. Yeah, make sure he's upright first, and be. Because he has that mental block now about not wanting to get hit, and it's uh, it's 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 over in my eyes if if they can't protect him. So I completely agree with you on that. Um, my last loser, and I understand the thought process here. Um, you want to protect your young quarterback. You took uh, Lance in the first round, but. Do you banks like really like did you, what what grade did you have on banks, the guard, uh, fifth or sixth round? Yeah, like why are you taking him so early? He would have been available way later. I like and don't get me wrong, I understand the thought process. You want to improve the offensive line, you want to protect your young quarterback, but this guy would have been available. Fuck, probably even today, and you're drafting him there. When you have a huge need at cornerback, and there are plenty of talented corners on the table, so I, I don't know. It's just I, I didn't get that pick. And it's funny, like people here in people, and especially here in Chicago, just drag Ryan Pace's name through the mud, you know, for drafting Trubisky. Trubisky, a quarterback that led your team to the playoffs twice, one divisional title. But you look at what Lynch did with those picks he got back, he really hasn't done anything. You know what I mean? Like, he got Bosa, and Bosa made that team a lot better. Mm-hmm. So, I really, the whole thing with John Lynch being this, like, draft wizard, I'm, I'm, I'm not sipping that Kool-Aid anymore. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you mentioned that, because I, I felt that way as well. Also with Chris Ballard making his picks like the Colts GM, um, I wasn't impressed, you know, and usually I think these are front offices that have these great draft reputations, but past few drafts, they just haven't lived up to it, so. 
it's just I don't know. And I'm starting to like I hate to change it. I'm kind of starting to feel that way with Sean McVay on offense too. You know what I mean? You had that one good year. You had Ty Gurley. You had a good offensive line. You know now now what? You know what I mean? It took you like half a season to find out Cam Anchors was better than Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson. So I I don't know. I think sometimes like us as like fans, analysts, betters, fantasy players just put these guys on a pedestal that you know honestly shouldn't be on the pedestal. And then my last loser, it really isn't uh, traditional, but it's just some players I just wanted to highlight. So Tyler okay. Wallace, Revan Jordan, and Trey Smith. Those are three guys that are still on the board that I feel like will be instant contributors to a team. Why do you feel Trey Smith dropped? I'm sorry, could you repeat that? Uh, kind of cut out for a second. Why do you feel Smith dropped so much? Um, the medical red flags, definitely. But I think as far as playing, like I had a second round grade on him. Um, so I'm surprised he's dropped this far because I thought someone would take that risk for him. Oh, for sure. For sure. Like I just, I don't know. I like the kid, but you're right. The medical, it's, and it's kind of weird to me, like, how some kids, their medical stuff comes out, and other other kids, like, people don't say anything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. When Mac Jones had two DUIs, why does no one say Mac Jones had two DUIs at Alabama? You know what I mean? It's like, Phillips had all those injuries, he goes in the first round. Smith is still alive right now, and I don't, what pick are they on right now? You know, like, yeah. it's one of those things where I just feel that some people get drag through it and others you know luckily don't so but and then Tyler Wallace I want to talk about him uh, in a wide receiver class where there's like a lot of slot guys a lot of deep threats a lot of short intermediate guys um, that are small I think Tyler Wallace could be a day day one starter on the outside like as a wide receiver two low end wide receiver two and then develop into a high end wide receiver two one day so I'll be interested to see who takes him and then Brevin Jordan he was my tight end three I was surprised Tommy Tremble and uh, Hunter Long went before him. But he's kind of in the same mold of a Johnny Smith, not as freakishly gifted athletically, but still a very above-average wide receiver, receiver at the tight end position. Now, what if you were to make one statement about this draft class, what would it be? I guess teams are waiting on addressing the O-line, for better or worse. It seems like a lot of teams just like neglected their their pressing need for the O-line in hopes of, like, oh, we could get a tackle or a tackle later, you know? And I think that's kind of some teams' downfall. Um, the gap in tackles is pretty evident. Um, so, yeah, teams would just wait, and that's going to come back to bite them. It's like, like these guys, like, just don't get it. Like, yeah. hey, you need to build from the inside out. Build from the inside out. Get your dudes, build, make the team better. My my, my statement is this, is, and I, I said this when we did our mock draft first round, when we look back at this class in a couple years or whenever, um, there's going to be... A lot of guys that were drafted in the first or second round just because their PR was better. They had a better PR team. And there's going to be these guys that fall to, like, the end of the third, fourth, fifth, that are going to be, like, 
constant all-pro players. Like, you look at the kid from, um, who's the kid from Whitewater, the offensive lineman? Oh, Quinn Miners, yeah. I thought he would get more hype. I mean, you're telling me that the Broncos didn't just draft somebody that's going to be a starting offensive lineman with my boy Cushenberry for years to come? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that pick right there, and why did that kid fall? Small school, no PR, no combine. You Like, that right there is because of COVID. And I really think, like, like there's that's going to be the draft. There's going to be a lot of players drafted from the end of the end of the third round to the end of the draft that are going to be game-changing type talents and you know bad bad PR team and no co- no combine no interview process made them fall. Uh Sterling, thanks for coming on my man, taking time out of your day off to spit some NFL knowledge. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you? Okay, well, find me on Silver Star Sports. Uh, that's Silver Star underscore sports on Instagram. Um, try to post a lot more. It's the summertime. NBA playoffs are coming up. I'll be talking about that. Um, definitely, I'll be talking about the offseason, previewing all 32 NFL teams. So just follow me there. Um, lots of content coming. Uh, As always, thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on, my man. Put you on the spot. Gun to your head. NBA Finals will be Lakers Nets. I still can't bet against LeBron, and then I don't trust anyone else enough in the East. Oh, dude, yeah. how, how how do you not trust my boy? And then granted, he's hurt Ante the Cupo. So because uh, Bood pulls her. Uh, the Boods factor. I right, man, I get that, dude. Thanks for coming on, my man. I look forward to talking more sports with you in the future. Always a, always a blast. And we'll talk soon. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, man. So thank you from Sterling from Silver Star Sports coming on. Guys, if you are not following Sterling, you are insane. There are a few people that I feel know more about sports in general than me, and Sterling is one of those guys. Great follow on Instagram, on Twitter, at Silver Star Sports. Do me a favor. Follow my boy. Help him out. That's it for today's show. Like I said, great day of sports, Kentucky Derby, UFC, MLB. Let's cash some tickets, be safe, be well, and I will be back on Monday with a special edition of the podcast, and I will have Fantasy Football Wishlist on, and we will talk about players drafted that impacts fantasy football for next year. Be safe, be well, and I'll talk to you guys later.